The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Let's get to uh, COP27. We have a deal now that it included a historic provision to set up a fund to help some of the poor countries, those countries especially that faced harm or are facing harm as a result of a changing climate. Going to take a closer look now with our guest, Nikita Singhal, who is co-head of a sustainable investment and ESG at Lazard Asset Management. She joins us uh, here in New York in our studios. Nikita, thank you for being with us. Just give me your takeaway. When you look at the news that's trickling out of uh, Egypt, the wrap-up of uh, COP27, should we take heart in a lot of this? Is is there an accomplishment that we should feel good about? Thanks for having me, Doug. Um, Many are calling this the biggest win on climate since the Paris Accord, which was in 2015. Uh, And this is primarily, as you said, because of the new funding agreement on loss and damage. Um, I think it is a huge demonstration of solidarity and agreement from so many nations around the world to help developing countries that are um, perhaps going to face some of the largest physical impacts of climate change in the coming decades. and, And we're starting to see that already. Uh, But I do think that there are many unknowns still. Uh, Where will this money come from? Uh, What are the trigger points that are going to result in these payments? Uh, And then will it even be enough? Um, I would actually like to point us to four seminal events leading up to COP that I arguably are as important, if not more important, than the COP decision itself. Um, So the Inflation Reduction Act that Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've talked about, arguably the largest climate policy coming out of the U.S. in its history. Uh, the EU's energy policy response to the Russia-Ukraine conflict, Australia's landmark climate bill, um, and lastly, uh, the election of President Lula in Brazil Mm. that might significantly impact the fate of the Amazon rainforest. So, Nikita, how much is being done by individual countries uh, as opposed to COP27 mandates? Uh, Rashad, I think a lot of this is a combination of uh, a few different factors. There is the you know, personal desire to contribute and mitigate climate change because it is a global issue. It is not a regional issue. Uh, but a lot of it is also the opportunity for countries to emerge as leaders in an energy transition. And you know, a really good case in point is China. Uh, China is responsible for over 30% of emissions in the globe today. Uh, but when you look at cumulative emissions, it is still behind the U.S. and the EU. And a lot of the discussion at COP27 was about this idea of 
cumulative culpability, i.e., what should each country's fair share of decarbonization be? And for a country like China or individual countries around the world, the questions that we are asking as investors, so as as active fundamental investors at Lazard, uh, we're not positioned to ask or to think about what's right or wrong or what might be the right level of responsibility. Um, Our fiduciary responsibility is to think about how will China respond to this pressure to decarbonize, uh, or not just China, any of the countries that were that um, p- that partook in the in COP twenty seven. Uh, will it come with certain trade offs to socioeconomic development? And that's a good point for a country like China. It's in, I mean it's inextricably linked to rise in emissions. And lastly, but perhaps most importantly, um, how will these countries compete on the global stage when it comes to the energy transition and the Inflation Reduction Act is an example of where the U.S. has come in and said, we're here to compete. So so much of the conversation has centered around kind of reducing carbon emissions and the new technologies, whether it's wind, whether it's solar, that you can put in place to kind of cover um, what had previously been a polluting industry. I'm thinking of coal as a way of generating electricity. How much of the conversation, though, if any of it, centers on capturing emissions that are already out there, technologies that can be used to carbon sequestration, that type of stuff. Is this top of mind for people in your industry, or are you more focused on alternative sources of energy? I think, unfortunately, the answer today is we need any and all solutions. And so it is top of mind um, of industry and also inevitably then of Wall Street and and the financial markets. Um, And a really good example, I think, Doug, here has been uh, the Ukraine-Russia conflict because it's revealed uh, the inherent challenges and the complexity of the energy transition. So fossil fuels are pervasive in our lives. It goes into everything from, uh, you know, the plastic in our toothbrush to the agricultural equipment that helps grow the grains that you and I eat. Um, And so uh, with the Russia-Ukraine situation, energy security has risen to the top just as we think about energy transition. But you're talking about hydrocarbons now, right? That's right. And and I think there and and it is we are not in a position today where we can rid ourselves of this dependence on fossil fuels. And there are technologies today like renewable energy uh, that can help abate emissions to some extent. But we have to also start thinking about solutions to just remove the carbon from the atmosphere. And you see provisions for that in the Inflation Reduction Act that just came out of the U.S., which is already starting to have impact on valuations of companies and M&A activity because companies that are involved in carbon capture and storage are starting to become, you know, interesting, attractive opportunities. Is 1.5 degrees actually realistic now if we've gone too far? And do we have a plan B or even a plan C? So, Rashad, I will say that there are many um, experts on climate science who and physicists who are now saying that it is almost uh, impossible to reach a 1.5 degrees. But I do think, as as investors, again, our job is not so much to opine on what what um, should happen, but it's more what is likely to happen. And what has happened is, with net zero or 1.5 degrees goals, there has been this coalescing force of policy and investment in technology and even shifts in consumer behavior that is starting to impact the financial productivity of companies and their valuations. And that is really exciting for us as investors and therefore still pertinent to us, even though we may never reach a 1.5 degree scenario. So are you going to expect a lot more in the way of evolution in terms of uh, the financial architecture behind a lot of the technologies that you're describing? 
Could you clarify? Well, just more advancement in the way that funding can reach these companies or situations where you know you have a solution that you want to bring to market maybe that hasn't been thought of something that that, that is maybe at the cutting edge is there going to be a way for companies startups uh, to access funding more easily I do think I think that the uh, Department of Energy has a fantastic loan program uh, that is doing a ton of work there. Uh, there's also significant amount of fund flows into venture capital in the energy technology and clean technology space in particular. Uh, but I do want to make a broader point where we often think about clean tech as you know your wind turbines yep. and and you think of a typical company like Avestas or a Siemens Gamesa. Uh, if you think more broadly, if you're looking at just pure play companies. Um, renewable energy electric vehicles, they're about 3 to 5% of the ACQUI index, but look at the supply chains and you're looking at more than a quarter of the MSCI ACQUI index. So the implications are broad. Nikita Singal from uh, Lazard Asset Management, thank you so much for being with us here on Daybreak Asia. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.